Hey, kia ora everybody. Welcome to the Invisible Sensei Podcast. So, I just want to take time to thank those people who have been listening. It's been really cool. Thank you so much too for those who have taken the time to get hold of us. <clears throat> I'm trying to interview as many people who I admire and respect in the martial arts and who pretty much are around my community and overseas in bits and pieces. So, thanks for being... Yeah, out of those people. <laughs> Thanks for being with me. But unfortunately, I couldn't get any of those people. So I got um, Sensei Josh Scanlon from the Shinjukai Dojo. Hey, Josh, how's it, bro? Yeah, good. Worst by the minute, but very good. <laughs> now, Josh and I, just so you know, go way, way, way back. <clears throat> and Josh is uh, under uh, contract not to mention how far back, because I like to feel young and down with the young people. <laughs> um, but <laughs> how are you, brother? How's uh, Was your Christmas and New Year's? Same thing with everyone that you, you kind of glaze over the last few days. So I have no idea what we did, but I'm sure it was good. <laughs> How did you get to? Did, did you um, manage to keep up with a bit of training? No. <laughs> uh, I do not care to say how long it's been since I last trained. Oh wow. Um, hi, my name's Josh. It's been three weeks since I last trained. Um, hi, Josh. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It's been about two weeks. Two. Yeah, that's that's as. That's as much as I'm going into it. Wow. What about you? Your well, turn. Um, I trained this morning. It was last oh, time we cool. trained. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm, you know, it's a bit weird starting with D. Dedicated. You know, I was either dedicated or dominated. It's one of those words. I'm not absolutely <laughs> sure. Um, but it's always a choice to um, catch Josh in his busy, busy life. Um, just a little bit of, um, before we get into the meat of it, we are doing a little bit of, uh, a commercial or something that we've got coming up. Hey Josh, what are you up to in May? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask, Brian. No, um, <laughs> I've got a, I don't know what that was, I'm so sorry about that. Um, we got a seminar, and tell them what that seminar's about. Wow, sorry. there's a seminar. Wow, I've been looking for a seminar, but Josh, I want to ask you a question. Is it the kind of seminar where I'm going to go along and do line training for three days and then do a kick and then been told how useless I am? Is it going to be one of those ones? It's, it's, it's not, John. <laughs> but what will I win for being for, for coming to the seminar? You will win three guys who call themselves the Goju guys and disseminate the good word of practical karate. Irrespective of your style, come along and train. Please come along and train. No one's signed up yet. <laughs> and so what is um, what are our dates, bro? They are the <laughs> first to the 3rd of May 1st to the 3rd of May mm. come along have a good time we have uh, the first will be the Friday night uh, we will just have about two hours of training in, in the evening uh, get to know one another before we start the seminar proper on Saturday mm. and then a half day on Sunday so come mm. along it's going to be a good time yeah. for, and for those people outside of New Zealand too, you're more than welcome to um, one of the things that we like to do with our karate this is I guess this is our third seminar our second gorgeous guys Seminars really well attended last year. It was a lot of fun. What we like to do with our seminars is inject a lot of fun and make it a real. What? How would you? How would you term it, bro? A real collective experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. You go. I think it's. I think it's less of a seminar, more of an exchange where we kind of. Um, the big the big thing is that we give our ideas and we say, look, this is what works for me. This is what I've found works um, in this situation. But you might have a different opinion. Let's let's exchange on that. 
um, then you'll find, like Tuati said sarcastically earlier, you won't spend much time in the lines, sort of doing sort of Shinza sort of back and forth training, which is important, don't get me wrong, yeah. but you will spend a lot of the time meeting and engaging with new people. Um, some of them will be us, a lot of them will be not us. Um, and the point of that is to get that exchange going so that everyone feels like they're in a open environment where their ideas it's kind of like that whole that whole thing in a classroom where there's no stupid questions yeah um you know mm. but they're stupid instructors yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. um but seriously we, there's, there's a million and one ways to go with that as <laughs> um josh is talking about we're just doing a little bit of a plug for our seminar which has come up in may of this year um We'd love to get as many people as we can along to it. It was fantastic last year. We're doing it in Hamilton, New Zealand, um, which is just a stone to an hour drive from Auckland, which is an international airport for our brothers and sisters overseas. You're most welcome. We'll take good care of you. Um, but as Josh said, one of the things we don't do is clicks. Or clicks? Clicks? I don't know how people say yeah. that. Clicks. Um, so we're really big into actually people taking time to go in and introduce themselves, meet each other, and train with people you haven't met before or styles you haven't seen before and do a genuine exchange. Um, and we just, we call it the Gorgeous Guys because uh, Sensei Scanlon, myself, and uh, the third <clears throat> the third member of the, the trio is um, Sensei David Redaway. Now, Sensei David Redaway <clears throat> is with the IOGKF NZ, Gorjuru uh, Karate. Um, Josh is a sensei at the Shinjokai uh, Gorju Dojo in Hamilton, where he and he'll be actually be hosting the seminar. And I'm a uh, I'm a uh, Okinawan Gorjuru practitioner, formerly Jundakan International, formerly um, OGKF, although quite a while back. Um, and it's not about Gorjuru per se. It's about the love of karate and martial arts. <clears throat> and also the love of the Kabuto. We're going to do a bit of weapons this year, eh, bro? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time. Mm. But, look, if you're wanting to get hold of us about this, I'm going to put some stuff to our Facebook page in the liners of this, in the in the notes of this um, podcast. And yeah, I, it's not really something we've talked about, eh, bro? But, but it's, um, we, we should open registration in the next few days. Yeah. Just start letting people reserve their seats yeah um, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride last year so um, which last year was, was well, for us in our eyes it was big anyway so it's going to be a really good time you get the opportunity to meet um, different people different ranks from different ages different places um, mm. so come along and check yep. it out and I also want to um, throw this out you know one of the things that we do is there's a social element to it too I mean and I don't mean going down the pub and things like that. I mean, we actually get together, we have a barbecue, we eat together. Um, although the, the arrangements might be might be different, but a big thing in, in Māori and Pacific Island culture for us as uh, Māori men is, is that we eat together and when you eat together, you get to know each other and, and have some fun. So there, that's a massive part of it too, eh, bro? Mm, yeah. Yeah, the food's, the, the food's a biggie. The food's a biggie. Food's, food's, food's a huge. Food's a huge. Now, I want to put out a bit of a, um, a challenge, if I may. Uh, one of my karate brothers, one of our karate brothers up here in, in Hackett, Arkansas, Carl Zane McCoy. Um, you keep sending me um, videos of the juicy tender steaks that you're cooking. And I put it out to you. Bring it down to New Zealand. Bring, bring Spread the good word of American barbecue. For goodness sake, bring it. Show us. Teach us how to season it. <laughs> Teach us how to catch it, actually. Um, <laughs> 
Just bring it. Don't you show him how to catch it. I'm, I'll just. I'll just. I'll just. Well, watch him catch double. it. So, Carl, if you're coming on down, that'd be cool, brother. Um, but yeah, everyone's welcome, irrespective of, of code, rank. Um, just like we say, just bring um, to quote uh, the great Jesse Port that bring uh, can do a positive attitude, and you have a great time. Um, yeah, so I'll put some stuff, some context, and we'll mention it more, and we'll do a podcast direct that, um, where we're speaking a little more in depth about that anyway. But anyway, to the subject of the day, and um, I want to talk a little bit about the perks, the untold story of the massive advantages you get when people start calling you sensei. Um, we're going to lift the lid on this, aren't we, Josh? We're going to we're going to get we're going to go and dig. For those of you who have, who don't have, um, who are not referred to as sensei, or not not at that level yet, um, you're going to be surprised by just how incredible being sensei is. I mean, what's what's your thoughts on that, Josh? First of all, nice nice clickbait, nice clickbait opening feed. Page three will shock you. <laughs> Come with us as we open the lid. I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of told and untold sort of aspects of karate, not just being a sensei, that sort of maybe don't get shared too much. Um, so when you said that that was going to be the topic for us, I was actually, I was actually really excited because you know, I don't think it's something that it's something that as sensei we both kind of understand the nuance of what that means, but I don't think we've ever exchanged sort of notes on. Um, well. I mean, I think it's important for us to really get into the nitty-gritty of it. I mean, for one, um, when people started referring to me as sensei, my kata instantly got better. My gi got whiter. Um, my kick's higher. Uh, my bicep's bigger. My gut's smaller. Um, and I became better looking, if you can believe, if that's possible. Um, I don't Josh, know if, if my... <laughs> if my hey, thanks, man. Sorry. Um, that, that, that hurt. That got in. Just so you know. We'll, be, we'll put a pin on this. We're, we're circling back to that. Um, uh, and I intuitively knew how to do every martial art. I mean, that's what happens when you're a sensei. Um, my body was covered by a golden glow. And um, I knew without knowing. I knew the art of fighting without ever having been in a fight. And... <laughs> I no longer needed to do push-ups, sit-ups, any kind of um, difficult exercise. I just needed to walk around the class yelling and screaming and telling people what to do. It's fantastic. See, I, must, I must have got the wrong brand. I, I, I didn't get that. Yeah. I must have got the wrong brand black belt. Yeah. Well, you know. I'll talk to my yeah, about that. Yeah. You know, I, you know, like, but, but for serious, um, when people started referring, it took a long time for people to refer to me as sensei. And when people come to my dojo, it is kind of, I guess, it is etiquette to call me, to refer to me as sensei, which is hard to sort of say out loud, to be honest, because it feels a little bit like I'm being uh, something I'm not. You know, when I think of sensei, I think of people way senior to me and people who have influenced me. But I think one of the things for me, one of the, the downfalls of being sensei, if we're being completely serious and and not trying to be hilarious, is that I think almost in a weird kind of way, as a, when I was a shodan, I imagined that I was a lot better than what I was. And as I progressed, I started to understand, my eyes started to clear a little bit. And I started with more knowledge and more experience and exposure to senior martial artists, I started to realise 
how much I didn't know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So that was that's been a bit of pearl to swallow. How, how have you found that, Josh? I mean, the thing, I, I think also it's worth mentioning that Josh has been training since he was five. Um, and he's relatively young in some people's eyes, at least, um, to be... Um, if we do a sensei, but he's a sensei, and it's a great one too. How? What's your? What's been your um, journey to it, bro? What were your thoughts prior to senseihood and and after? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've agreed with everything you've said there. I uh, kind of getting up towards the sensei level, I'd say. Um, you think? You think when I get well, when I become a sensei, I'll, I'm you know I'm at the top of the mountain, but. I think getting to the sensei sort of title or rank or however you look at it, I see it as actually once you get there, you've, that means that just means you've found a trail to climb up the mountain rather than being at the top of it. Um, yeah, I think I think for anyone who and I would say the same thing for a, for a black belt. You know, when you when you set your shoreline grading, you get it. Well, hopefully you get it. And when you do, you go, right, that's it, right? I've, I've got, you know, some people set it as a goal and then that's all they ever achieve because they think, right, I'm at the top of that, I'm at the top of the hill and I can look down on on everything that I know. Mm. When, you know, behind you, you're on a hill, behind you's a mountain. Mm. You know? And it shows you, like you said, just how, how little you know. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... Which, which, I, which I see as one of the perks of being a sensei because mm. you never want to be complacent or, or settle for what you have. You have to be. Oh, well, for me, I like to be quite, quite greedy about about knowledge. Is that you can never have enough of it. Um, mm. Yeah. I, 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 for me, bro. I mean, in terms of looking down on people, I think <clears throat> I assumed that I'd be a lot better than what I actually am. Um, and even since achieving, <laughs> for one of a bit of weird senseihood. Uh, yeah, I'm not even as good as I was when I achieved that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like going, hmm, hmm. So it's a, it's an interesting paradox too because I think that uh, Hollywood has a lot of uh, to do with how people view the role of sensei or the misunderstanding of what sensei actually is. Um, yeah. And obviously it's a Japanese um, or, or Okinawan term depending on what art you do. And it means the person who's lived before or person who's walked this way before and it can be a term, it is a term which is applied not only to uh, martial arts, but also to general, you know, general everyday life. And I, I don't hold myself up as any kind of linguist, but I think what there's also a perception that people assume. I mean, you, you sort of see like, you know, Ninja Turtles and Yoda and, and if you're old enough to remember Kwai Chen Kane, the Kung Fu series. Being a being an instructor, being a, a so-called people were quite sensitive with being a master, but it's really a really a designation of a teacher. And I think I certainly grew up. I mean, being a bit of a Star Wars guy, <clears throat> I certainly grew up wanting a Jedi master and having daddy issues from an early age. You know, you tend to um, gravitate towards people which have strong personalities. And what the other side of that is that there are some people which are referred to and referred to themselves as sensei that I don't think are worthy of the title um, that have an expectation and that other people have an expectation of I don't think when you get people who are a certain grade um, that doesn't automatically confer upon them 
the automatic right and power, the moral, to be the moral compass. You know, I've known some, to be totally honest, I've known some pretty shitty sensei. I've known some people that sort of, uh, I've even had one described as fantastic fighter but fails as a human. Um, Yeah. Which is, and, and, and I think also too that being a good sensei does not always equate to your ability to fight. Your fighting ability. I, I've met people who, for me, are every bit of sensor, every bit of leader, every bit of uh, role model, who probably, to be honest, their technical level's pretty low, but just in terms of how hard they work, their attitude um, towards themselves and others, I mean, they're a sensei in every way that really matters. Yeah. You know? Have you seen Have you seen a bit of that, bro? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to, to sort of like, quote every other sport except karate you have good players and you have good coaches mm. very seldom you're very hard pressed to find one that are both they're both a good player and a good coach mm. you have people that are amazing players know the game inside and out but when it comes to teaching it or um, coaching it have no talent whatsoever mm. and then people on the other hand who maybe didn't have the ability um, as a player but have moved through to, to the coaching aspect and do an incredible job and then you have those very few in between that can do both. Mm. Um, I think that's um, pretty relevant. I think, um, and to just to go back to what you're saying about people who become a, like you said, senseihood, which I think, I think personally, they need to replace that with the knight, the knighthoods here. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I mean, are you talking about the Jedi knighthood? Sure, sure. <laughs> Although we must come back to that. We must come back to the okay. new Star Wars. Um, but yeah, you see, you see it everywhere. Like all things in martial arts, I think, I think you see. Um, I think I'm just trying to find how best to word this, but stuff it. I think a lot of the time, as you're talking about sensei who maybe aren't, who have the title but aren't um, sort of becoming of that title. Mm-hmm. I think often that's also a failing of not just that person but of their sensei. And I think. Um, that's quite often the case where a sensei is too um not that it's gutless but because of the relationship a sensei has with their student sometimes that sensei might be too uh not shy but they might be too concerned about what the student's reaction might be if they say actually you're not ready to be a sensei um so i think it takes a hell of a lot of courage for a sensei to give us give a sensei title but it takes even more courage to say actually you're not there yet um because your character you have the talent you can teach you understand you know application of kata and how that works into the framework of uh, kumite but your attitude is shit Mm, yeah. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, sorry, with that. I agree. With that. I think also too that <clears throat> I mean, I think that kind of it's interesting to me when I was just thinking or reflecting on what, when you were talking the difference between a coach and a sensei. And I suppose if you look at it from I guess a Western perspective, a sensei is a kind of a cultural term in a sense, whereas coaches are coaches. Um, you know, that's that thing of sport, you know? Um, a clear beginning, a middle and an end to what you're doing. So I'm coaching you for rugby or soccer or football yep. or volleyball or netball, basketball, whatever, whatever the code is. Um, and the thing with um, that is that people have, you know, it's a kind of, uh, what's the word? 
it's a finite thing. Whereas I think with sensei, to me, when I think of the term sensei, I suppose I like to think of it in the terms of in the, in the space that it's about um, someone who will guide someone towards their own understanding um, of themselves, which sounds very lofty. And we, you know, we were having a bit of a laugh this morning about you know um, overly philosophical answers to basic questions. But I think um, for me, if I'm being totally honest, when I've gone to seminars, a perk that I like is people will say, okay, uh, all the shodans over there, all the shodan and the Q-words over there, all the nidan and above or sandan and above over there. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a, there's a practical aspect to it too in that you can be exposed in those sort of settings to, you know, not in every sense, but, you know, advanced training. Um, yep. So there's that. There is that perk. I think um, for me, something I find hard about it is that it's not such a perk. As I find, I find myself sometimes under a real pressure to maintain a level. You know, like an end. For me, when I do my own training and things like that and I'm teaching, I know that I've got a responsibility to, I, I like to think of myself as one of those, as an instructor who only asks students to do something that they can do, that I can do. Um, yeah. I have a problem with walking around just yelling orders, although sometimes in class it's actually, it's actually because the focus of the class, it is necessary. But it's hard sometimes too because, you know, you're trying to train yourself at the same time, but then you have to ask yourself, well, you know, this is what I need, but what do my students need? What do I need to be yeah. doing in this moment to help my students progress? That's a hard, that yeah. can be hard. And I noticed at one time with my students, we were, I think I was going through, um, well, not a phase, I was certainly more focused on a particular aspect, which was grappling. Um, and I noticed that, you know, a lot of our classes, a lot of the, what I was teaching at the time, you know, obviously Bunkai based and Kumite and that, and I, I encourage my students, <coughs> excuse me, to go to the ground to practice the grappling, which we practice quite a bit. Um, and my students were starting to get into a position where they weren't using their natural advantages in terms of height or weight or speed and things like that. They were just trying to emulate me. Um, and the way that I do uh, practice karate is is kind of unique in the sense that it's unique to me. It's peculiar to me, to my mentality, my height, weight, age, so on and so forth. Um, and they were trying to emulate. And I realized that I was doing them a disservice because there were people who were trying to copy me and at the same time not fulfilling their potential as a martial artist because they were, they were just trying to copy. They were just trying to be versions of me and I think it's dangerous territory. Now, you were talking before about, um, I think something which is really dangerous when you try and copy a particular sensei or you give them that mana or you give them that respect is that if you're not careful and you don't use common sense, you don't filter it through your common sense, you can inherit the bad things as well. I'm not just talking in terms of technique, um, their biases. You know, if you've got a sensei who says, we don't speak to that person and we don't talk to those guys and we don't do this and do that, and don't allow you to make your own mind up about that, if they encourage you to have the same biases, then I think that's a disservice. I don't, for me, I don't think that's what, well, that's what I don't think an effective sensei does that. I think an effective sensei encourages people to have critical analysis 
Um, yeah. I know that I've certainly been guilty of it in the past as a younger man. You know, I've trained with certain people and gone, oh, I just don't like those people because my sensei doesn't. Yeah. Um, now, as an older guy, I just look back and go, man, what a dick. Yeah. You know? Well, I think I think there is some validity to what you said about, about students kind of just going with their sensei on their maybe in terms of the karate landscape of political opinion or their opinion on a certain style or a certain person. I think it kind of follows the idea of shuhari, which is, you know, that you have the, um, you know, you have the basic uh, sort of obedience level where you, where you uh, emulate as best as possible mm. the things that your sensei does, but sometimes says as well. And then you have the the next step where you're starting to formulate your own mm. ideas and then you obviously the last step is to transcend that and, and mm. sort of take the shape of things rather than the mm. the idea itself um mm. that's a nice artic- that's a nice articulation of that actually bro i like that oh thanks i um i think yeah i think initially you know for example not just here but all over the world you have people who are I guess the karate community sees as like red flags um, based on their history and we won't get into it, but you know, based on things that have happened in the karate landscape that essentially deem that person dangerous or sort of... Um, Less than ideal, shall we put it there? Yeah, that's Less than ideal. We'll, we'll leave that there. Yeah. Um, I think in that sense, the shoe part comes in where you just sort of... We say to your students, look, you just need to trust me. Mm. I would never try and control you as a student, but I'm telling you, don't don't train with this person or don't go here, don't do that. Mm. Um, I think there are situations where that's necessary. But of course, coming back to what you said, it's also necessary to say, look, don't be me and don't, don't just copy the things that I do because you need to be your own person. You need to formulate your own ideas and you need to make the mistakes of hanging out with people that maybe you shouldn't have... Um, obviously as much as possible we try and navigate them and steer them through those obstacles of saying look maybe try not to not to go there or maybe try not to practice that too much um you know that's the thing i think another flaw is that a student might not necessarily see that it's the best thing for them but the sensei can Mm. um and it's also it's like you said before it's about weighing up what the difference between what your training needs and what your students need Mm. Um, just because you want to do kata and non-stop kata um, doesn't mean that the students do because their kata might be really nice they just need a little bit of help in the kumite department department yeah. so it's so tasteless um, department my god yeah, wow 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 how yeah. ca- wow you've commodified you've commodified karate well done sensei yeah, hey, i open my shop up next week come <laughs> Um, sorry, bro. I killed, totally killed your train of thought right then, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry, bro. I basically made my point. But yeah, I think there are times to some. If you've reached this point, let me sum up the last five minutes of my <laughs> rambling. I think there are situations when a student just needs to trust their sensei, or a sensei just needs to take charge and say, "Look, I'm telling you, this is going. This is going to do you no favors for your karate. Mm. Try and stay away from it." Yeah. But there's always that element of. But of course, you're your own person. So if that's a mistake you want to make, yeah. um, then by all means, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard road. It's a hard road to hoe. Yeah. Um, with that, bro, something which I find interesting too, and I've had been in situations where I've where I've had to actually do this, is that 
I've had students that have wanted specific things, um, maybe that, you know, we talked a bit, a little, a little bit, we touched on competition in our last, um, in our last chat, and, you know, I've had students who have needed really specialised training and wanted to do tournaments and things like that, MMA, um, full contact and things like that, which I, you know, look, I, I have a little bit of knowledge in that area, but when it comes to Ippon Shobu and things like that, you know, point fighting, I'm a terrible point fighter, but the point I'm trying to make is that it was important for me to move those students on to either go and train with someone for a period who actually knew that stuff, or actually recommend another dojo, and not have a sense of betrayal or loss because I'm not able to um, provide that, you know? Um, part of what we're trying to do, I mean, for me, I'm a fan of martial arts and people doing martial arts because of what I think it can create in people's lives, the positively, the, the positively, the positivity that that can create in, pe in people's lives. Now, what happens is, if we think that the little bit of knowledge that we have is our claim to fame, if we define ourselves by how many students we have, how many black belts we surround ourselves with, and, and let's face it, we all do. It's a hard thing when a student leaves, or you get you get a realization that after they get their black belt, they're probably not going to continue. But that's just that's just part of it. I think a good instructor will recognize that and not set a sense of themselves or lose a sense of themselves based on you know um, what they're doing and why they do it. I mean, for a lot of people, um, getting their show done is a benchmark, and, and I understand that. Um, it's taken a long time, um, because obviously you want people who want to continue, but those people who want to make a lifestyle out of it, or do, I guess, look at it in the long term as, a, as an ongoing, infinite pastime, or infinite journey, are few and far between. Um, yes. and, and that's okay it's not to sort of take it personally and I know in the past I have taken it really personally um, because I haven't really understood myself you know and um, I think uh, for me in my role as a sensei or as an instructor it's also to acknowledge to acknowledge what I don't know and actually demonstrate vulnerability um, yeah. there's nothing worse than one of those instructors who will not admit they've got something wrong um, yeah like a number of times, I mean, God, countless times I've been in class and maybe I'm teaching a cutter or a technique and the student will say, didn't we start it on the left hand? And I'm going, no, no, it's a right hand. And then didn't we start on the left hand? And now I have a choice in that moment to go, uh, you'll do as you're told because I'm the sensei, pull rank and get all this. Or actually acknowledge that I just forgot, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that vulnerability because I think when you set yourself up to be something other than human, as an instructor, um, you don't you encourage you encourage I don't know almost a cult mentality. You know you you're trying to indoctrinate yeah. people. I mean, and who needs to live with the mantle of being perfect and having all the answers? I mean, not yeah. that I do either of those things, have either of those things, but you know what I mean. Um, it's such a burden, and people have such expectations. Do do you reckon? Yeah, and I think I think by doing that, by by saying no, that's enough. That's enough talkback. That I'm, I'm the sensei. This is how we're doing it. Whether you realise it or not, you actually teach your students that when they become a black belt, they can do the same thing. That they're never wrong. That no, they, they never get anything wrong. They never, you know. And and to pass that on is such a detriment to karate. Mm. Um, and there's no resilience in that either. You're not learning any resilience. You're not learning that it's actually coming because martial arts is nothing but. It's a study of failure because, you know, I was training this morning and, and I was doing uh, Seisan kata and I was going, what a horrible kata. I'm terrible at this kata. You know, so 
where maybe someone who doesn't know what they're looking at or perhaps a junior practitioner look at it and go, oh, you know, that's quite, a, you know, that's really strong. There was yeah. a thousand and one things in it that I wasn't happy with. Um, and, you know, but if I encourage that um, hero worship and that mentality of, you know, I'm larger than life, I mean, you attract, I think, a certain type of personality and yeah. that is one that has, that is hungry to be told what to do and hungry to be told who they are. Mm. You know, and that's, yeah, that can get really dangerous. You know? I like that. I like the way you put that. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Oh, here's, hey, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's the time that you've had to pull the sensei card? And, and and I know you, so it would have been it would have been something you are loath to do, but in a class situation, a teaching situation, when you've actually had to sort of hey, um, you know, you've, you've had to sort of play the I'm the sensei card. Is there anything spring to mind? I, th- I, th- I can't recall too many incidents. I think I can recall one or two. Mm. Um, right, anecdote time. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Let me give you an intro. Do, 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 do. It's Josh's Welcome. anecdote time. Yeah. Welcome to Sensei Josh. Get <laughs> um, that part out. <laughs> no. Um, so I wish ago, I could. I wish I could. We had a guy or girl. <laughs> Thank you for some... yeah. Yeah, we, had, we had a guy who used to train with us a few years ago um, and he was a good guy, really good guy he got to about third queue I think um, anyway, he went off and did his own thing um, which was fine it was the same thing, it was one of those tough pills to swallow but you get over it when people leave um, so he goes off and does his own thing and just last year maybe, so he left probably five years ago, four years ago mm-hmm. and just last year, he walked into the dojo with his gi on, and he said, uh, hey, Sensei, um, just looking for some training. Uh, not coming back, but I just want to do a casual training, if that's okay, because I'm back in town, or I'm back in the area. And I said, oh, that's cool, that's cool. It's so good to see you, and hope you've been well. Put your gi on, and, and oh, I said, sorry, I said, go put, go put your belt on. Do you, do you still have it? He goes, yeah, yeah, I've got it. He pulls out this belt that's crisp. It's nice. Yeah. It's black, yeah. and it's got... 10 stripes on it and I thought I thought you were going to tell people that I did this <laughs> or girl guy <laughs> um, and he had 10 stripes on it now I, uh, the thing with me is, is, is uh, he was putting it on and I said oh actually don't put that on I, I've got a white belt for you to wear um, and the reason I did that is not because people not because 10 times not legitimate but when you're in I won't say what style he moved off to, but when you come back to Gorju, you're going to do you're going to do your your training in whatever rank you had um, in Gorju. Now I know customary that you should come come in in a white belt. So there there was there was sort of the golden rule broken right there. But I thought right, so he's 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 a really valued used to be a really valued member of the dojo. So given the benefit of the doubt that his standard is still quite high, put your brown belt back on. Then to pull out a tenth down. Um, yeah, that's where I use the sensei. I said, look, with all respect, sensei, you might be a tenth down where, in whatever dojo you, you've come from, but in here, I'm going to have to ask you to put that white belt on. And I think that's one of the only times I've ever had to say, look, for right now, I'm the sensei of this dojo, you're not wearing that. Um, 
yeah. So that, that's probably the only time I've ever had to say, in, in not so many words, I'm the sensei, you'll sort of do what I do what I say. Um, what about you? You've, you've, surely in your time you've had some... No, never. I'm perfect. <coughs> I knew yeah. I knew there was something wrong with you. I, I'm glad I teased it out. I'm not doing any more podcasts yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Right, story time. With, let me give you an intro. <laughs> and you've got to say the name. Do it again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Charlie's <laughs> <Jordan> tail. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that intro, Sensei. Um. There's a couple of times when I've pulled the card and I felt I've had to and been off base with it, man. There's some times when I've made some big mistakes doing that. Um, I have to be honest and say that sometimes it's out of frustration um, and what's going on for me personally. Um, maybe my anxiety levels or maybe I was going through a depression and things like that. You know, like I've, I haven't done it often, but on occasion I've made snap decisions where I haven't really thought it through and said things that I shouldn't have um, and rudely, rudely said and um, in the moment, um, you know, just silly, silly things. Um, an example of that would be, gosh, um, um, oh, too numerous to name. Let me find. Let me go through. Let me go through my database of things I've done wrong. Um, <laughs> I think um, just making assumptions about students' motivations. Yeah. As one, um, at one point I, you know, I was overseas and the dojo was, you know, going on without me. I was working overseas, and I had a bunch of my students saying, "Oh, you know, you guys are not training hard enough," and so on and so forth. When I hadn't actually been in the dojo, I didn't enter into any kind of conversation with them. I didn't ask them what was going on. I just yeah. made an assumption, and these guys, and these guys, um, you know, to their credit, came back and said, "Look, actually, you know what? You're wrong," and corrected me on a few things. And I had to eat a bit of humble pie. There was a learning process for me. Um, I think that I have seen when the collaborative approach to teaching karate has gone wrong too. Someone that I admire greatly and is a sensei to me, by far and away senior to me, doing karate longer than I was alive. He started a dojo and it was one of it was a fantastic dojo. Um, and his students, because he decided that he didn't want a tournament focus. Um, he wanted to keep it uh, traditional. I'm doing that. I'm holding my fingers up and doing the rabbit ear thing as, as I do that. Yeah. In parenthesis, um, he wanted the dojo to. He was more, more about the values and wanting to do stuff which was more kata based. Um, he yeah. So he moved away from. He didn't want to do the tournament stuff. So what happened was is his uh, students and I use that term very very broadly. You know, got together at, uh, with the. Um, is it the, the board or the, no, not the board the um, the trustees or whatever it was because that's the way it was set up and they voted out the sensei they excluded him from his own dojo which I just think was which is I find difficult to take um, yeah. and what that meant for several years that particular sensei and I'm not going to say any names he actually was completely discouraged by doing karate I mean if he'd stayed that way imagine what we would have lost you know mm-hmm. like that experience, that the years, the years, decades of training, traveling overseas, competing, fighting, um, learning from some of the best in the world. Um, so I think that the idea of being sensei can sometimes be a real lonely place too. I mean, I think about um, you know I was lucky enough to spend several years training at your dojo under uh, Shihan Warren Smith, and 
you know, for me, there was decisions that were made and things that kind of happened, and I just kind of took it for granted, you know, how, how you know, um, you know, because when you're just there training, your responsibility is just come and train, and maybe um, the Shiana will get you to do a bit of teaching. Um, but I never really thought what it took to run a gorgeous. You know, there's those thousand and one things that you've got to do. You know, you've got to make decisions about behaviours in the dojo and you've got to do all that, fi- you know, stuff around financial stuff and um, getting gear and collecting fees and all this, uh, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff that I never considered. I mean, and, and to Shiana Warren's credit, you know, he did it all really well. But what he also did was he surrounded himself with some really amazing people too, who, where that was a strength for them. I think when you start becoming... Um, and I, I remember one, I hope Shihan doesn't mind me saying this, I remember one time we were at a grading and Shihan Warren's a very, he's funny, he's charismatic, um, awesome karate, great role model and a great communicator too. Um, and he's got a very easygoing attitude, but I, th- I think you would be wrong in assuming that makes him a pushover. He's the last, last, <laughs> the last thing in the world other than a pushover. Um, you know, we were there and there was this, there was this young woman, this young this uh, young girl there who was um, a brown belt. And her mother kept trying to attract Shihan's attention. He goes, when she, she should go for a black belt. When's she doing your black belt? And I remember him turning to her and saying, you be her mother, I'll be her sensei. <clears throat> and I always thought that was a real nice articulation. He wasn't sort of um, trying to take away the mana or the esteem of that that woman or that relationship or even of the student but he was really clear about in this situation you, your job is her life my job is her karate you know yeah. and what I really admired about him in that moment was the fact that he did it with class he did it in a way which was not confrontational and he did it in a really but a really direct manner but not a rude manner so you know that's that kind of uh, experience that comes with you know decades and decades of training and you know, hundreds if not thousands of students going through your dojo and, and that's for me when I think of people when I think of instances where that was used and done in a really good way you know I always think of Shiana Warren and I always remember that conversation and I always was really impressed and that made an impression on me you know, you know? Um, but I, I think also too you don't want to create cults you know we've all seen that cultish kind of level of karate and it's it's horrible to, to be honest it's just distasteful to me yeah. Um, it just breeds a kind of character type. I think there should always be respect for your sensei in the dojo. You as a sensei, if you're a sensei, or if you're in an instructing role, should always teach with respect as well. Um, yeah. You know, for me, you're, you know, as I knew you when you were about, geez, six, seven years old, that's when I actually met you. Um, and you were doing, had been doing karate for a few years. I think you were a green belt when I met you. Um, yeah. And um, I should say that I'm 20 years older than uh, uh, Sensei Josh, so I'm 763 years old. Um, but, you know, like coming up and watching you mature in the Q grades, what was your attitude towards your seniors? Because, you know, you had a lot of seniors, you know, a lot of senior black belts and so on as Sheehan. How did you find, um, how did, did you make a distinction between everyone's my Sensei or was... Shihan Warren always your sensei. How did you um, relate oh, to quote, quote um, unquote um, people who were senior to you? I think um, 
I think in our dojo there's a lot of there's a lot of sorry if I'm if I'm stammering or slurring it's because I'm wasted. No, I've got. <laughs> 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 he goes. He goes. We do not endorse the use. Although I've been drinking coffee this whole time and e- and eating a chocolate bar, so apologies. Um, so I'm pretty wasted too. Yeah, chocolate, and, caffeine. Uh, yeah. Then now I'm trying to pull it back. Control it. Trying to reel it in. Um, <laughs> in our dojo, I think there's a lot of trust in that um, with the Q grade. Well, this is just from this is just from my perspective. I'm not even speaking for our dojo. Mm. Um, as a kid. Um, I think I was hyper aware of that's all I was. Like, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not limiting my worth or anything like that. But mm. I knew as a kid that um, there are people that are a lot older than me, a lot higher than me, and so genuinely, anyone that stood in front of me, uh, I, I, I put all my trust and faith into them. Um, whether that's and not in a culty way, not in a I'll follow you into battle, but you know, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say um, and take it on board very seriously. Um, so everyone that stood at the front and taught, whether it was you or Xi'an or, or all the other black belts that, that have come before, um, I always treated them with the same... Like, like Xi'an once said that... Um, I think he was a Renchi at the time, but he said... Um, not in a sort of arrogant way, but he said, when I go away, whoever's next like in line, and, and I'm using inverted commas here, whoever's next in line, you're to treat them with the same respect that you give me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that was probably on... He was talking to the class, not just me. And that was probably on my second ever training there. Mm-hmm. Something had obviously happened. Like I'm too, I was too young to remember what it was, but something had happened and he, and he said that. But, you know, when I, when, I, when I go away, you're to give whoever's taken the class the same respect you'd give me. And, I, and that followed me right through my, right through my sort of... Um, through my training and, and, and even into the sort of... Uh, black belt sort of domain I I always and I, and I say the same thing is that if Xi'an and I are away um, we have to give the person that's standing at the front the same respect that you'd give to Xi'an um, so um, yeah as a kid I, I, I kind of took that with me all the time so anyone that stood at the front um, I would take heavily on board what they said and you know try as best to emulate that into and to sort of put into action what the things that they talked about. And then, uh, in my view, it was up to Shi'at to say, that's mm. good, keep doing that, or no, they've, taught, they've done that wrong, you need to change that. Mm. I think the risk that I potentially ran by doing that... Now, real quick, I'll tell you why I did that, and you'll know this, because I was such a timid kid, I was so scared of not disappointing people, mm. but I was so scared of being growled. Honestly, if I had been um, sort of like in the first year or so of my training if someone even scowled at me I probably, I probably would have never gone back that's just how timid <laughs> yeah. I was yeah well um, I don't I wouldn't typify it as being timid bro I would say that I, now you were a very shy child and um you know you went um you know like as you say you know like I mean people talk about sensitive I mean I was very sensitive as a child too and as an adult I mean and I take pride in that I mean I think there's not enough sensitive people in the world, but I mean, I, for me, my impression of you always was that it was a lot to do with your upbringing, like um, uh, Josh Sensei's sister and brother and mother uh, are also Yudansha at the um, Shinjukai Dojo, and his dad is a is a Wing Chun practitioner and can and can hit bloody hard. Um, so you're you're kind of I remember you and Jamie coming up together, brother and sister. And it was always kind of interesting to sort of see that and, and to reflect on that, you know, all these years later. 
um, that it seemed to me there was a lot to do with your upbringing. Your parents insisted on us on a really specific standard of behaviour. Um, yeah. And actually, on that, bro, if I can, can I can I give you another anecdote about a time when pulling the sensei card went wrong? Oh yeah, I <laughs> do you know this one? Yeah. Do you know what I'm gonna say? <laughs> so one time. Sheehan Warren Smith had been kind enough to ask me to do some teaching of a junior class in the dojo. You know, there was a number of us, your dancer, junior, your dancer, and so on and so forth. Anyway, <laughs> so the kids, as they often do, make a lot of noise, as children are wont to do. And I just remember saying, I'll pull the sensei card. I thought it was a wonderful idea at the time. Not so great, not so great. Um, <laughs> I just yelled out to the class, shut up. And everyone shut up. But then I looked across and Josh's mother, who's um, like a sister to me, <laughs> looked across and was like, no one tells my kids to shut up. Now, I don't know if I can fully articulate in the scope of this podcast the look on an angry Māori woman's face, but I'd wish she just snap kicked me in the balls and be done with it. It was actually preferable to the look that I got. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you know She's, like she disputes this by the way no, but, yeah, but I just remember going I instantly regret my decision <laughs> I instantly regret my decision so you know but I mean <laughs> yeah, for me I think also too you know we were lucky in that um, prior to coming to the Shinjukai and during my time training on a regular basis Shinjukai I was lucky enough to see some great examples of senior senior, senior instructors making really hard um, decisions. Um, yep. And all those little decisions that kind of happen in the background that you never see. Sean Warren was very good at, um, you know, he's very generous um, in the sense that, and he's got a wonderful family too. Um, um, his wife, is, his wife, Bunty, is extremely fortunate and basically was a, was a dojo mother to all of us. So he was wonderfully supported um, by his family. Was a family. Um, and I think for me to influence the kind of instructor that I wanted to be, um, for me I've been really lucky on that. My, my my first instructor was my uncle, um, and I think as a young kid, because of how I was brought up and things that were happening in, in our family situation, I, I was just craving some kind of focus, and my uncle took time to start teaching me some really basic kicks and punches and blocks and encouraging that energy and focusing it. Um, then later on, um, I had other instructors. Um, I had one who was a former policeman who was very, very, very generous with me. Um, he would pick me up and drop me off after training, all these wonderful things. And and, um, and then with Sheehan Warren, um, again, a great role model. Um, there's been so many people that I look up, um, Sensei, um, Kevin Shaw. There's been people that I just, I've been very, very lucky. But I think for me, what I try to be is... Um, I guess a Rubik's cube of, of all of those experiences, and then sort of some of my own ex- some of my personal views as well, because um, yeah. I've certainly gone wrong on a number of occasions. Um, what so as a sensei now, bro, with um, with teaching, when I know also too, you're getting your guys to do a lot of competing, and you're supporting them through that. Mm-hmm. Um, what um, and we're at minute fifty-one, by the way. Um, sorry, but oh. I've been yabbering. Um, what what's your kind of scope now? Where where's your head at? What's what's happening as you take on these responsibilities? Um, 
from I think every single training I think every single training I'm getting a um, clear review of just how easy it isn't um, <laughs> I mean I've been a sensei for a few years but for me every every training's a, a learning curve and, and um, I think you see what you're doing wrong when you're teaching your own dojo and you see what you're doing right or wrong but you see what you're doing right when you go to other places mm. um, and you get that um, because you get to have input, well, if you're, you know, been lucky enough to be asked to teach, you get to have input on things that maybe aren't the norm for that dojo. They don't have to be from the same style or or anything like that. Um, so yeah, every single training I'm learning. Okay, so the, the the students seem to enjoy that, and this is what they need. And the students, or on the other hand, the students didn't enjoy that, and that was just something I wanted to do. They didn't need to practice that. And so in that sense, I'm always learning and refining, hopefully, um, sort of what works in the most efficient way to teach class without it being a sort of me show where, where it's watch what I can do. Um, because I, I, I believe heavily in what you said earlier is that sh- I don't think any sensei should ask, some, uh, ask their students to do something that they can't physically. Um, and, and that's in terms of ability, not mm. not limitation, because I know there are sensei who are limited or bound to, so for example, crutches or a wheelchair. Mm. In those cases, obviously, they, they have a they have a pass on that. But um, in terms of the sort of where I'm at, I'm just enjoying seeing, um, I shouldn't say my students, our students of the dojo, um, really, every time they go out, for example, tournaments, uh, even our seminar, I'm always maybe a bit biased but I'm always extremely proud of how well they represent um, and I know we've had discussions where, where you'd say the same about your students is that every time they go out on the floor even if they get absolutely demolished in in tournament or they maybe feel like they didn't take too much from the seminar you know, even just seeing them put their gi on to get ready for that event really makes me proud and I'm, I'm at a point where I'm just enjoying that yeah, um, yeah. yeah. no that's cool bro, I mean the thing is, what what should probably also, dear listeners, is that uh, Josh Sensei is also, you know, still in his 20s um, and is a, a strong competitor in kata and kumite and weapons and all that sort of stuff too. I mean, so what, what, which is really cool, bro, that you find time. I think it's also a choice in terms of how you demonstrate that because um, Josh Sensei still competes you know, um, kata and things like that. And I think that you role model that really well. I think vulnerability as an instructor is a really important element. I think when we start cultivating a myth of invulnerability, then we encourage people not to be human or to make mistakes or learn resiliency around that sort of stuff. I know I've certainly made my mistakes as an instructor, as a practitioner. And I'm really lucky in the sense that, probably like you, bro, I... And very, very lucky to have the people around me, yourself included, and this whole Scanlon Fano and the um, Smith Fano and um, all the people that I have around me. That uh, I've got some really wonderful support networks. People who are not frightened to tell me to pull my head out of my ass when I need it, um, and also to point out my sta- my mistakes and help me to, um, you know, tell me what I need to hear rather than what I want to hear, which is hard but completely necessary. Yeah, I know you need to start wrapping up, so I'll, I'll, I'll be asking the questions around here, pal. Um, <laughs> if you could sum up for someone who doesn't know the first thing about martial arts, if you could sum up for them 
what is being a sensei about? Not as what is a sensei, but what is what is a, what is being a sensei about? How would you answer them? It's not about um, being in charge of people. It's about caring for the people who are in your charge. Um, mm. It's about creating, you know, and I've stolen that totally from Simon Sinek. Um, I think he, I, that really resonates with me. I think that for me, it's about service. Um, and I don't yeah. mean that in a superficial sense. And I don't mean that in this kind of over-demonstrative, we're going to save the world. I think it's about encouraging people towards their own insights. I mean, Pedro Berardi Sensei, who, if you go back a couple of um, podcasts, was on, and he talks about, you know, he wants to help people towards an understanding of themselves. It's not about what he can do, it's about what he can encourage other people to do for themselves. And I think that's a wonderful goal. I think that's my why of doing karate. And also, um, I think it's about, um, yeah, it is about service, but it's also about um, valuing, strengthening, and um, reveling in the relationships in, in the family, friends, work. It's about taking things a lot wider than just how well you can kick or punch or do a couple or grapple or whatever it is. Mm. Long, long range, a long-winded um, explanation. Hey, bro, look, we're coming up to the, the, the top of the hour. I just want to say thanks again, man, for... Um, for taking the time and always enjoy the always enjoy these conversations and guys um look if you're listening um i'll drop um an email for me and um and also a facebook page for our seminar if you're keen if you just want to have a yet to me or josh sensei we'd be keen to hear from you we're going to do more of these hope you enjoyed um let us know too via the email address whether or not you felt this was on the on the on the button or we went on a bit too long and tell us which one is probably the better looking and yeah. yeah, and yeah. you know, if you if you don't agree with anything we've said in the seminar, oh, in the seminar, in the <laughs> podcast, um, we're the sensei. So be quiet. Be quiet. Shut up. Um, sorry, was that was that not in the spirit of what okay. we were just talking about? <laughs> sorry, Grandmaster Seafood. <laughs>